welcome everybody to Who's Your Band? I am Jeffrey Paul. Uh, I am not coming from a studio. I am not coming from my home tonight. Uh, you've seen me do this from an airport, and now I'm in my car. Uh, I had to take my son back to college in uh, Connecticut, and so this is what we do. Thank God for Zoom, and thank God for my co-host. Let's, let's bring him in. Sean Morton, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm wonderful. I'm actually uh, like a professional podcaster. I'm in my podcast studio, not a Mercedes right now. So, you know, I'm doing good. <laughs> well, listen, if, you, if you're going to do a show from a car, you might as well do it from uh, Mercedes. That but, is uh, true. Yes. But uh, speaking of Mercedes and, and listen, I'm going to panda. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like Mike. I'm going to panda. Speaking of greatness, I'm very excited to introduce our guest uh, this week. Um, this guy, he is an original member of the band Slaughter. He is, a, you know, toured with uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, was a part of Blue Man Group, and could be seen in the movie Rockstar, which I've watched a million times. I'm very happy to introduce Blas Elias. Blas, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me here. Uh... Yeah, so speaking of Mercedes, I have a Mercedes. It's an old one, though. I've got a 62-190SL convertible, which is... Oh, nice. Uh, where, do you, where do you live? Uh, in Henderson, outside Las Vegas. Nice. Oh, that's a perfect place to have a, a, a Mercedes convertible, as opposed to living in stupid New York or New Jersey, where it's always <laughs> cold and raining and snowing. So, yeah, you made yeah, the right a, choice. It's a good thing. It's about, four um, it's about four o'clock there. It's only like 119 degrees outside. So I understand why he's inside doing a podcast at four o'clock. Yeah, actually, we've been having some rain the past. I mean, we haven't. I think we went probably the longest we went without rain here ever. Recorded the hottest temperatures in Vegas ever this year, you know, a few weeks ago. But lately we've had rain, like massive thunderstorms and flooding and stuff. So, you know, it's a bit of it's it's a nice break. Although we lost, you know, we lost some trees in the area. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you also lost. You also lost in the AHL too. We're not going to talk about uh, that. Ah, no, no, I know. And uh, and our guy, uh, Flurry, they traded Flurry. Everybody's pretty upset. You know, yeah. everybody's pretty upset. We traded Flurry. You know, and uh, I, apparently he didn't even know. He he found out, I think, through like Twitter or something or on the news. He apparently he didn't even know they were trading him. It was That's amazing. Bad. Are you a big? Are you a big fan of the Golden Knights? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was you know never a fan of hockey before, but when we had we got the team here, it was a time. It was right you know after um, the October first shooting here a few years ago, and so the the first year that we're here was that you know was the year after that happened, and so it was really good for Vegas to have something to get behind. So you know, I think people got really emotionally attached to the team and, 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 you know, really uh, it helped, helped healing. I think the city, you know, I think that's part of the reason people were so sad he's leaving because it was, you know, he's, he'd been there from the beginning, you know, and it was just kind of like, you know, it was, like I guess it was something that helped the city heal. I think. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you've heard this before, but you resemble uh, Sebastian Bach. And if I'm not mistaken, is it Sebastian's brother, uh, a former pro hockey player goalie as well? I don't know. I mean, he's Canadian, so I wouldn't doubt it. But it's funny. I've heard that many times, you know, and, and as a matter of fact, I, I told Sebastian the story not too long ago. You know, we did a, a gig a few years ago together. I was I forgot what I was buying. I was trying to buy something. It was right when I first joined Slaughter. I didn't have like, you know, a driver's license in California. I just moved out there. And so I was trying to buy something 
you know, uh, like an electronic, something electronics at like Best Buy. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't approve me to buy it because I didn't have like a proper ID in California or something. And so this, this, one of the managers comes back and he says, Hey man, don't worry. Let this guy give him whatever he wants. You know, I know who he is, you know, uh, he's, you know, he's, um, door he's good for it you know so let me buy the thing and then he tells a guy that's don't you know who that is that's sebastian bach man it's a saber skater that's great <laughs> so but uh yeah you know um i get that quite a bit you know and uh we, we've joked about it i told my old dinner next time i see him for that <laughs> plus it could be worse they could tell you look like either me or sean so <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you something though how did you get started how did slaughter get started it was uh, kind of out of the ashes of the Vinnie Vincent invasion, who, if you don't mm-hmm. know uh, who Vinnie Vincent is, he was yep. the guitar player for Kiss after Ace Frehley. Uh, he kind of was part of their uh, resurgence, you know, their comeback. Um, he wrote Lick It Up, which was their first big hit coming back, you know. So uh, he was a big part of that, you know, and uh, he's a great songwriter, super talented guitar player. And so when he left Kiss, I mean, it was under you know, not great circumstances. I and mean, they had a pretty bad falling out. Apparently it's kind of hard to work with. You know, I don't know if you've heard any stories about him. I've, I've, I've read that a million different places. Yeah. So, um, so he started his own band and uh, Dana and Mark, well, Dana, Dana was in it from the beginning producing and, and playing bass. And they recorded the first record with, uh, with um, Robert Fleischman, who had sang with Journey for, for a brief stint. And uh, but he didn't want to tour and continue with the band. So Dana had always known about Mark, you know, from doing some uh, sessions with a band. God, what were they called? I forgot. But but he knew, you know, he knew of Mark and how good of a singer he was. So he he suggested Mark. So Mark came in, took over and did this, you know, the, the first tour and the second record with him. So they have, you know, a, a pretty good run. You know, they opened up for Iron Maiden and uh, and, you know, again, Vinny being from what I understand, you know, I've never really worked with him, but difficult for them. Uh, they left the band and formed their own band. And so they had, Mark had a leaving member option with Chris Liss, who was Vinny's uh, record label. And they picked up his option. And so he started recording demos. And uh, I heard about the gig through a friend of mine in Houston who was who was auditioning as a guitar player. And he told me about it. And I, I knew of them because, you know, number one, I, you know, I kind of knew who they were, but my friend Bobby Rock, who I went to school with in, you know, in uh, Houston, was the drummer now, for Vinny Vincent. Were you, now, were you in another band at this time? I was in a band called uh, Black Sheep. We're, uh, we're, we're like a hard rock kind of, you know, I guess you know, we, we could compare ourselves to Heart because it was two girls and two guys. It was actually super talented people. The guitar player, Marzi, I still talk to. He's super talented guitar player. I've actually been looking forward to maybe doing some more work with him. And Linda and Dana were just incredibly talented singer and bass player. The girl played flute. So we had a really good band. Uh, why, just, why, and also, also, I'm sorry, what year is this? I want to say this is 87. Oh, so this is like the height of of the metal bands, of, of yeah. bands starting to get signed and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I've been touring around with them. And then you know, this Tarpler I played with in another band, Houston, told me about, you know, the, the uh, Mark and Dana putting together a new band. And so I sent out like a tape and, you know, a picture and Mark called me the, you know, I think the day before they were having auditions and told me to send them a videotape. But I knew if, you know, if I, if I, somebody was going to get that gig that day. So I just, my mom got me a ticket, one way ticket to California. And I flew out. I was, you know, I left a message that I'm going to be there. And I was the last guy of the day. 
And, uh, you know, we just clicked, you know, we, um, we went through some different songs. They kind of sung things for me to play. And, and, uh, then afterwards, Mark asked me if I wanted to come hang out at their apartment for a while. And I just stayed <laughs> and we're, they were already working on demos at that point. So I just kind of, you know, was there through the whole writing process and demoing process with them and, and, uh, going through the process of finding a guitar player. Uh, so, uh, that's kind of how that kind of got together. Where was the apartment? Sherman Oaks, California, in the valley. Because I, yeah, because I, you know, I was, I was, I've been reading uh, a, you know, a, a lot of these biographies, and it seemed like everybody was like living in like somewhere downtown Los Angeles by the Troubadour, and that seemed like a crazy time, like to just like be a rocker. And I, I heard that like you would have like bands like Poison, who came from Pennsylvania, you know, yourself, who came from Houston, where maybe like you were like the alpha band, the alpha guy there, and then you go to the Sunset Strip. And they're like 40,000 uh, rock stars walking around this area. Was that the experience for you as well? I mean, uh, you know, we, we, a little bit, we visit every now and then, but honestly, we were in the Valley. So we weren't down there and we were kind of outsiders, I think, to the scene. Um, me and Mark, especially were very like anti-drug and alcohol, you know, so we didn't really get, involved in you know the, the but Dana, the, but Dana was right Dana was big on that scene he had you know he before but you know he's honestly he's he's like a super hard worker like he produced the record and engineered so you know he when he was on when he was on tour you know he would already have a good time but like when he gets into work mode like he doesn't see anybody he doesn't go out at all so we were pretty much locked up it was I mean you know we were in the apartment writing and then when we got you know into the studio we pretty much lived at the studio and uh, and so we were kind of, you know, isolated from the world. You know, I, I think that's part of the re- like, you know, we were never really in the scene. I think we were, you know, a little bit, you know, outsiders. We weren't, you know, um, we weren't wearing super glammed out clothes at the time. We were kind of more just kind of street clothes, you know, uh, and uh, and Mark and Nina kind of wanted to get away from the full glam thing because Vinnie Vincent was so over the top. You know, I don't know if you've seen they kind of they kind of wanted to go against that mark, you know. In, in that you know band, you know, Vinny wanted him to have this like bleach blondes hair spiked up, you know, and so he decided he was going to let his hair just grow natural and down, you know. And so it was it was a bit of a departure from that, you know. But uh, I mean, we'd visit down there. We we'd go to the Rainbow every now and then, hang out. It was it's cool, you know, seeing all those people, you know. Uh, I, you know, I guess I always felt kind of like an outsider because you know when you, you don't drink and everybody else is drinking or doing drugs, you just feel you just feel, you know, it's almost like they, they think you're a narc, you know, if you're not, if you're not, you know, and so I, I don't think people kind of, you know, uh, accepted us into that scene. I can say for a fact that if I was growing up, uh, in, in that time frame, cause like figure 87, 88 was kind of like the big era when like the mm-hmm. hair metal pop, you know, really came out. So yeah. I was like 11, 12 years old. If I was double at age 24, I don't think I would have ever made it to 1989. If I lived, <laughs> if I lived out there, that's my favorite place in the world. I've said this to Jeff a million times. LA is my favorite place in the world, but just to grow up in that and just to be in that scene, like you don't realize the amount of great music that came out of that era. Yeah, absolutely. That area, you know, it's just it's mind blowing. Really is. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of talented people there, man, and uh, you know, uh, we we had people come down, like you know, Jeff Scott so sang on our first demos, and and uh, we had Doug Aldrich come in. And, you know, to, you know, we, we, I think they tried to get him to play with Slar, but he was, uh, he had his own band line, I think at the time, but uh, I remember meeting Chuck Wright back then at a rehearsal studio from Quiet Wright. 
you know, so there was people around. It was it was cool, you know, just kind of hanging out and seeing people. I remember going down to the guitar center and seeing Carlos Cavazos get out of his white Lamborghini. <laughs> you know, so it's just cool being around all that, you know. But how does Slaughter wind up? Okay, the guys are outsiders. Okay, every you know the scene seemed to be going on the Sunset Strip. Um, how do you guys wind up getting a record deal? Well, it was um, like I said, it was, it was Vinnie Vincent's record deal that Mark, you know, uh, they had him sign what's called a leaving member option. So they had first rights to sign Mark, you know, after if the if he were to leave the band. And so he had to submit demos. And uh, and so, you know, we worked on the demos and he submitted it and they decided to pick up his option. So we, we basically, you know, jumped right on to Chrysalis Records, who was, the you know, with the record company for Vinnie Vincent. Uh, but, right, right. And part of the thing, like, you know, part, a big, they weren't really very supportive, you know, but Mark and Dana knew the business. They'd made a lot of good contacts, you know, uh, in radio and 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 work in the retail stores, you know, so they made contacts with distributors. And so we we go visit distributors and record stores and radio stations. So we were very hands-on, like, you know, under, you know, guerrilla marketing, you know what I mean? And uh so uh I think because they had the experience with Vinny Vincent, they learned what to do and what not to do, you know, because like he was very Vinny Vincent was very much, you know, I think a rock star, kind of too good for you know, people, you know, and Mark and Dan were like willing to shake everybody's hand, you know, you know, and, and give people the time of day, you know, who, who worked retail, you know, and, and who, you know, at the radio stations. And so I think it made a difference, you know, I think um, just being personally connected to people help, you know, um, get people behind our record, you know, and also we were very good at, you know, calling fans and just kind of building fan support, you know. Yeah. Then the point I was going to try to make was like uh, Poison was going more towards like, like like the heavier girls, like like the girls who weren't like, you know, who may have been left behind, but they were so loyal to the band that they would fill like the rooms and, and do anything for, the, for these guys. Uh, and, you know, so when record executives would come down and see them, you know, they would see a packed room of all these, these uh, people and, you know, it got on people's radar. Yeah, but we had we had, you know, uh, a girl named Michelle Siddiqui we worked with. She had a, uh, a, a, a fan club we called Slaughter International. And she was really good at helping us network with fans, you know, and she organized, you know, uh, us sending out postcards and making phone calls to people, you know, and just, you know, reaching out. And I think, you know, like you said building relationships with fans, not just the groupies, you know, but but fans, you know, and no matter what they look like, whether they're male, female, or, you know, and uh, I think just, you know, the fact that we, we did reach out and we'd have meet and greets every night, you know, for a fan club, you know, no matter how many people were there, we'd spend like hours after the shows meeting people, shaking hands, signing autographs, you know, and I think just, you know, building those relationships helped, you know, to get, you know, so smart. So smart. So who was the first uh, tour that you guys went out with? Kiss was the first tour. And uh, I think, you know, it may have been partially due to the fact that the gene felt like a kindred spirit in Mark and Dana because of their shared experience with Vinnie Vincent and the difficulties, you know, in, in those relationships. So, uh, Eric Carr actually, um, had, he, he was, his girlfriend, Carrie Stevens was, uh, friends with the girl Mark was dating at the time. And so she got our demo to Eric and Eric played it for Gene and Paul and, and they really dug what we we're doing and thought, you know, it would, you know, like I said, you know, uh, they wanted to help us, you know, because, 
you know, they believe in the band, but I think maybe partially because they kind of wanted to get back at Vinny. You know? <laughs> so they, so they took us on their first tour, on our first tour, uh, hot in the shade tour, 1990. And, uh, so, and so Bruce is playing guitar on that one, right? Bruce Kulik and Eric Carr. Yeah. Actually, Bruce just moved down the street from me here in Vegas. I don't see him often, you know, since this COVID thing, but, uh, but I saw him at the airport when he was uh, just moving into his new house, you know, I think it was like a year and a half ago or something. And, uh, but yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, he was a great, it was a great version of that band. I love that version. Bruce Bruce, Bruce, such a good guy too actually yeah I heard this like rumor a long long time ago that Up All Night was written on the back of a Domino's box is that true I believe I I don't know if Mark still has it but yeah I mean he was he just you know write lyrics on whatever was around and uh, you know we were just kind of scrounging by whatever we could get so we had pizza you know delivered Mark you know was writing lyrics you know, after we ate pizza, you know, just having to ride on the back of a pizza box. That's funny, man. I used to, I used to always like, again, growing up in the generation that I grew up into, I used to, you know, try and mimic a lot of the singers from that era. Uh, almost a ruptured testicle, uh, trying to hit some of Mark's notes. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He's got I mean, pipes, man. Yeah. He, he is, you know, uh, just an incredible talent, man. And, uh, his vocal range is, you know, just crazy. And, uh, you know, so, you know, like, so, you know, like if you listen to, in the room with him, man, like, you know, I'd sing background vocals and just so powerful, so loud, you know I mean? Like some guys, you know, like they can sing like that, but you know, they're, they're kind of quiet and Mark, like he, he, I don't know how many microphones we'd go through. He'd actually blow out the diaphragms of the microphone while he was singing. <laughs> wow. Really? So bless, how did you make the leap from going to play music uh, to being in rock star, and did you always want to be an actor, or was that something that just kind of fell in your lap? That it, it I would say, kind of fell in my lap. You know, it was it was um, a girl it was, before the internet. There was like America Online. They'd have these chat rooms, and this, you know, I was on there. Some of these slaughter chat rooms, you know, in the late nineties. And there's a girl, and I can't remember her name, but she sent me an article about the movie being made. Uh, based on an article written about Tim Ripper Owens, you know, uh, who sang for Judas Priest. And, um, and I, I remember thinking, you know, like, this might be kind of interesting, you know, and so uh, I contacted them and got an audition. And uh, I don't think they knew that I wasn't an actor, you know, because I went in for uh, my first audition. And the first audition was was playing. So I, I went and played drums. And the people there were like, wow, you can actually play, you know, cause I was doing my whole stick spinning thing and I was, they said, we got to send you to the director right away. And so I went down to read for the director and he was like, you aren't really an actor, are you? <laughs> so I mean, cause I, I wasn't, you know, very good, but uh, I originally read for Jason Baum's part, which had, you know, an English accent. I just wasn't good at it, but they cast me as Donnie, the younger guy, but. Um, Donnie, but jo- Donnie Johnson. Donnie Johnson. But then they decided <laughs> they, they wanted to have real musicians play the parts in the movie to, to give it authenticity, you know, authenticity. And, and they actually, you know, we hang out, you know, go out for, you know, uh, afterwards, you know, and, and talk about, you know, our, our time in the music industry and tell stories to the director, Stephen Herrick. And he used some of those stories in the movie, you know, just to kind of give it a realistic touch. But I think, you know, it helped give the movie like, you know, kind of a, a, a authentic vibe. Uh, cause he really did, I guess he really did spend the time to, you know, listen to our stories and 
We actually have, we actually have something in common, Blast too. I mean, since you did that movie with Mark Wahlberg, I was actually in a movie with Mark Wahlberg too. Um, I was actually the stunt double in the last scene of Boogie Nights. Are you kidding me? I like how for a second that Blast kind of like believed it. Really? Yeah. 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 Like, was, yeah no. Sean, Sean is he's not length, but he's all girth. Works uh, so. <laughs> fat and thick like a tuna can. That's all I can say. <laughs> So, so, but like, I, I like, I, I love that movie, and I like it's like you had Bloss, but you also had Zach Wild, who's in the movie. You mentioned Jason Bonham, and um, Jeff Wilson was in the movie as well. What was that yeah. like? Any stories about that? No, I mean, I didn't get to hang out with those guys as much because it was Jeff and Zach were in Steel Dragon, you know, so they filmed a, a bit separate from us. But I'd see them every now and then. And, uh, you know, we just relive some memories. I toured with both those guys. You know, we did uh, No More Tears, No More Tours, you know, tour with Ozzy. And so we got to hang out with Zach and Tim and Zach were really good friends. And uh, and then Jeff Pilson, we we did, you know, probably a couple of docking tours in the 90s and uh super talented guy you know I, I saw him with foreigner not too long ago and he's he's you know just super talented great singer you know in addition to bass player but uh yeah it was a good time but i was with you know uh the blood pollution band which was me and um nick um i can't remember his last name but and, and brian vander ark from the verve pipe was our band with mark Wahlberg. Oh, okay but, um, you, you brought you brought up Doc, and how much did Don and uh, George hate each other? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I was I was there during a few of the arguments, you know. So, uh, um, but you know, it's it's one of those things when those guys, you know, like they they fought, but they had great chemistry, you know. Much exactly. like me and Jeffrey Bloss. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hear that. I think they're going back out together, you know. Uh, yeah, they are. Uh, I know. Yeah. I just I just saw that. So that should be exciting. That is pretty are cool. Playing, are they playing the states? I'm not sure. I think so, but uh, I think it's yeah. the cru- I think it's the cruise thing, like one of those uh, those mega tour like cruise things. I hmm. think I saw them on. Yeah. Would, would you guys ever have you guys done any of those? The like the the Hard Rock cruises. Uh, I did last year, or it was was it this last year um, or year before? I did the uh, Monsters of Rock cruise. Yeah, probably the year before last year it was COVID. Yeah, well, I I did it, you know, with this band Burning Rain. Slaughter was there, but I wasn't playing with him. But um, we, me and uh, some of the guys in Slaughter and some of the guys, you know, that I was hanging around with all got super, super sick. You know, I had all these symptoms of COVID, but my doctor said it couldn't be COVID because it hadn't really gotten to the States yet. And they didn't have any tests for it. So, I'm, you know, I'm thinking maybe I had it, but, you know, I had all the symptoms of it. Um, but uh, but that was a good time. Man. I like I like doing the cruise. You know, I was on this this surfing machine like just every day for hours. Yeah, it was these cool. surf wave things, and uh, it was it was a good time. And, and just being able to see all the bands, like you know, I, I you know, I um, if I wasn't on the surf machine or playing, man, I'm down watching. You know, I, I got to see King's X there, Winger, um, uh, Extreme, so good. I mean, Extreme and Nuno and, and Gary. Oh. God. And the drummer, I can't remember the new drummer's name, but God, guy's fantastic, man. And because uh, no, we don't know what Paul Geary's doing, he's managing some band named Godsmack. I never heard of them anyway. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and uh, and just seeing this and this band Heat, which they're, they're kind of a newer, younger band uh, from Sweden, maybe. And this this super super band, the singer, uh, I think he left the band, but um, just an amazing band. If you ever get a chance, check out Heat. It's H period E A T. You know, it's a great band. You know, but yeah, it's cool. But just 
seeing all the bands and just the whole you know boat is just all rock and roll. Yeah, it's cool. You also you're you're a very interesting guy. Also, great shirt by the way. Um, but you're an interesting guy because you're okay. So you're, you're you're in this movie. You're you're in a great band in the eighties, early nineties. How do you make the leap from that to go into I guess performance art with uh, Blue Man Group? Well, yeah, I mean that. Um, I you know it was right. Uh, I want to say right around the time I finished filming that movie Rockstar, and we had done with Slar, we had done a, a you know a, you know a tour, and, and it was it was the last tour we did after Tim Kelly had passed away, and things you know were just you know it, it was just it was hard you know it was it was you know a, kind of a dark period I guess you could say for us you know. Sure. So we had all agreed we we're going to take some time off. You know, we talked about we're just going to, you know, take a little break. And during that period, I went to go see uh, the friend of mine said there was there was a new show in town called Blue Man Group. And they'd been in New York for a while. It's like street performance in a small theater. But they're putting together like their first big production show in Vegas. Yeah, they, were, they were down in uh, Astor Place, like the Astor Theater. It's, Astor it's, Theater, it's, it's, yeah. Exactly. Right, doesn't even fit a, a thousand people. Very small. Yeah, so it's tiny, tiny theater. But they so now they're going into this, this you know mega theater in Vegas. And they were just starting out. And uh, so I went to see the show and I just fell in love with it. It was just this amazing thing. I didn't even know how to describe it, especially back then. It was different you know, than it is now. Now it's, it's, it's still a great show, but it was different. They had like four drummers, you know, and it was like a seven piece band. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the musicians were kind of, you know, they had tribal characters and they jumped and did kind of Taiko style drumming. So it was, it was just really cool. And I saw it and I was just super, super impressed with the show. And it just so happened that they had just done this Intel commercial in the blue man group and this, the, the numbers just started blowing up. And so they needed, you know, uh, more musicians. And so I was just there at the right, you know, right time. And, uh, um, I, you know, asked about auditioning and they just happened to be looking for another drummer. And so, you know, I joined those guys and I was with them for 17 years. And the you know, man group for 17 years. That was with them for 17 years, yeah. And oh, it was and you had and you and you paint yourself blue every night. I wasn't blue, I was one of the band members. So I we we were like we had we had like neon skeleton outfits with like tribal face paint, and we were under black lights, so we looked, you know, kind of animatronic, I guess you could say, but it was analog. And so I mean it was it was really cool, especially you know, like I said, back in those days, you know, it was a little darker, it had a darker vibe to it, you know. And uh, the band was really, you know, tight and, and it was just kind of like, it was a great group of people, you know, so I really enjoyed doing that. And, uh, you know, I had some, you know, built some good friendships through that. Um, and it allowed me to stay home because I could, you know, like I've been touring since I was a kid, you know, and so I, I got to go play music and then come home every night. So it allowed me to. Are you, you married? Know, Are you married? I'm married. I, I have two kids, you know, so it allowed me to build my family, you know, and it was just a good period of my life, you know. And I also I didn't think I'd ever really get back to playing and you know rock bands and touring. And then uh, I got a call from from a guy uh, who you know Jay Shell and he played in a band called Hurricane. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with those guys, but uh, sure, of course. Um, so he was playing in this production show called Rating the Rock Vault in Vegas. And um, so he you know was looking for a sub, and so he'd asked me to come in and sub for him when he was you know out you know doing something. He was still living in California, so I started kind of getting my feet wet playing 
you know, uh, with them. And there was a band called Sin City Sinners I'd, you know, play with every now and then. And uh, they had kind of guests come in and, and play. And that's how I got to play with Sebastian and some other people. So it's kind of slowly getting my feet wet, you know, playing back into rock. And then uh, the blue, you know, I got a message from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra back in the- I reached out to you. Back in 2016, yeah. And and they were uh, looking for another drummer. You know, they, they, they had- uh, they have two two tours. It's originally Sabotage, you know, and they yep. they, right. they started really, you know, it basically morphed into Trans Siberian Orchestra, and they they kind of split the show in half, you know, because when they do the, the, the holiday tours, um, they they just they couldn't meet the demand with one band, so they basically kind of cut the band in half and add some more musicians for the East and West. And they had a drummer who had been with them for a while, and uh, I guess you know they were just looking for you know someone else to come in, and so they contacted me, and. Uh, you know, first I thought it was kind of a joke. I was like, you know, this person on, on like Facebook contacted me, but she, you know, she was legitimate. And so uh, I went and auditioned and played with the guys and met them. And, and, you know, we just got along great. And I just, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, Sabotage, you know, and the, the Hall of the Mountain King and, and, uh, and, and TSO as well. So, you know, it's just been, you know, I love doing those tours and playing with those guys. It's a great group of people, great tours. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. I've seen it multiple times. So I guess the moral of the story is, I mean, it seems to happen to you several times is that you stay online, people message you and you wind up getting these incredible gigs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that right? now, now that you put it that way, yeah, it, it does happen. Kind of, you know, I, I'm fall, I feel like sometimes I feel like Forrest Gump just falling into these crazy situations, you know, by accident almost. How- hey, Jeff, I just checked online now. I just got offered a bar gig in Secaucus, New Jersey for $35. <laughs> Should I take it? Take it. Take it. You got you to run your set. That's what you we do, know, man. man. We you never know. Yeah, last night I was in Pennsylvania with a comedian named Tommy Gooch and we did a, a backyard uh, party, but you know, it's, it's work, it's pay. And uh, you know, that's what, we, that's what we do as comedians. You know, I guess the same thing is like what musicians do, you know, they pay you enough to come and do a show. You're going to go and do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, these days, I, mean, I, I, uh, Kind of, you know, all, you know, I'm only doing kind of things that I kind of really like doing. You know, I mean, there was a period where I was doing, you know, too much. I think, you know, and it's it's funny now because now, you know, there's there's, there's hardly any work. But I was doing at one point. I was doing Blue Man Group. I was doing the show called The Tenors of Rock in Vegas, which is another super super talented bunch of guys, and uh, raiding the Rock Vault and Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Sin-, and Sin City Centers all at the same time. I didn't have, there was one period I didn't have a day off for six months, you know. And so I've just kind of decided at this point, you know, I, I got to slow down a little bit because, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little up there in age. <laughs> you know, it's just. Gotta you don't it. look it, dude. You, you do not look it. Sean, who is only 23 years old, look at him. He's a disaster, okay? <laughs> look, look at me. I'm 27 myself. Yeah, okay? and, ju- and just We got to move out west. Yeah, just being driven because they revoked his license for being 78 years old. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm thinking about joining the, the, the uh, Senior Olympics this year. <laughs> so, so actually, I'm eligible. 50 plus. 50 plus is eligible for Senior Olympics. I think I'm going to hit it. That is true. That is very true. But again, you know, I am the young one on the show, but you don't look at I will give I will give you credit for that. It, the one thing I loved about uh, the first album you know, because yeah, yeah, monster fucking hits on that record, but the second album was fantastic, and it yeah. didn't and it didn't get lost 
in in the whole grunge shuffle either. You had some monster songs in that record too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know not as many people know about that one, and and even our third record, which we just uh, are re-releasing on vinyl. It's not us, but it's through a, a group called Kiss My Wax Records, and they just oh, nice. released a I think it's five hundred limited edition uh, box sets vinyl of our third record, Fear No Evil, which it's honestly one of my favorites. I don't know if you're familiar it's a with great the third record, record, man. It's and a great record. Uh, so they've got this great package they put together. I think there's left at less than 50 left, you know, but uh, it's a great package. And, uh, you know, um, hopefully some, you know, maybe new people get to hear, you know, uh, some of those, those later records we did. Cause yeah, you know, there's some really good stuff on there. Even, you know, um, uh, back to reality, the last record we, we did with Jeff Plando's killer record, man. You know, I love some of those songs. Yeah. It came out like what, 99 or 2000, right? Somewhere around there, yeah, that was the last yeah. one we did before uh, before I left to do a Blue Man Group. And you're gotcha. back in the band now, right? Like the guys are all back together. No, no, um, they're they're out with Will Hunt's playing with him right now. Will's a fantastic drummer, um, but so so they're yeah they're out touring with Will. I mean, we may at some point, you know, get back to that. We've talked about maybe doing like a um, a, uh, a a tour with our basically playing our first record, you know. You know, uh, you know, all the tracks, you know, like I, I want to say like maybe an anniversary amount of 30 years coming up. But we've talked about doing like a basically a tour, just playing the whole first record, which, you know, we, we've there's a lot of songs that we never um, we've never even played live, you know, and uh, some good tracks, you know. So hopefully that'll happen at some point. man. I, I love those guys. We, we still talk. We're great friends, you know. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, right now they're they're out with Will and uh, and. I think they found, you know, a lineup that they're, they're happy with, you know, so um, maybe, maybe next year we'll see. Well, let's go back to Trans-Siberian Orchestra for a second. There's something I wanted to ask you is one, how long did it take you to kind of like know the songs, to learn all the songs? And then secondly, you know, you guys would be playing two shows a night. How would, how would, that, uh, how would you feel physically doing that? I mean, that uh, physically that's, you know, it's a, it's an incredibly hard show to play because the shows are two and a half hours, and uh, right. you saw, like you said, we do eight shows a week on average, so it's you know two shows a night for three of the weeks, I mean, for three of the nights, and uh, some of those songs are you know like the the first half is is not as intense because it's it's you know if you've seen like the first half is kind of the Christmas story, but then the second half is you know, more of the rock stuff and some of the oh it's all it's all the hits it's the Carol and the Bells it's Wizards yeah. of Winter it's all that stuff. Yeah, we've and we've been playing some sabotage songs as well, you know. So so they're you know they're they're there's some of them are, are fairly like you know the, the classical you know uh, renditions we do are kind of complex, you know. So the memorization is, is is you know hard. It takes a while you know to memorize them, you know. And uh, so so it's a, it's a difficult show. That's been challenging, you know. But it's you know I I, I love being challenged, you know. And uh, like I said, the band is just it's a you know a pleasure playing with those guys. Or I mean. The, the piano players, you know, Jane and Vitaly are, are just mind-blowingly talented people. Al Petrelli on the guitar. I mean, watching him work, it's just crazy. He's such a talented, you know, composer, director, you know, and, and just, you know, watching him work. It's, it's you know, I'm, I'm humbled being in the room with them, honestly, you know, and, uh, and you know, Johnny, the original, you know, sabotage bass players you know, I'm playing with. And, and Angus is also, you know, he's, he's on, on, on my uh the west coast he's super super guitar player played you know with Joe Lynn turner and 
and then the other guys we get to rehearse, you know, in, uh, you know, we start up usually in, uh, uh, Iowa, uh, near Omaha, um, council bluffs. And we're, we're basically in an arena with both bands kind of taking turns, you know, playing on the stage. And so Joel Hoax was out there. Who's an amazing player. Oh, I forgot to mention Dino, uh, Jalusic, who is, uh, one of our singers in TSO. He just joined Whitesnake, you know, so for their uh, final tour. So, uh, you know, wishing him well. He's, I don't know if you've heard him, but super incredibly talented singer, you know, piano player, guitar player. He's multi-instrumentalist. He's probably a pretty good drummer too, I think. <laughs> don't you hate people like that? Just stick to stick in your, stay in your own fucking lane. Pick one no, thing. Stop I, I show off. No, I mean, the, like I said, the group of people there is so talented, man. I just, I'm humbled to be there, honestly, you know. So how long does it take you guys to get that tight? Um, we usually rehearse for, you know, by, you know, around three weeks before the tour. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's mainly like, it's, you know, they, they're just so good at what they do. Right. That, you know, it's just, you know, even when we first come in, like, you know, it's already sounding great from the first day we're there. Cause these people are just, they're just, you know, they're amazing musicians and singers. Sean, have you ever seen, um, Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Uh, not live, but on uh, like like DVD and, and and videos and stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is amazing. If you get a chance, you gotta see it live because the, the the live experience is it's you know it's just you, know, you can't really get it on uh on on video. You know it's it's you know the heat, the flames, and <laughs> you feel you feel like you're gonna have an aneurysm with some of the strobe lights and yeah. you know, the, like the lasers, and everything, but. It is well, well worth the ticket. It's, it's really great. So what are you doing with yourself now, boss? What do you, you know, what's, what's your days like? Uh, these days, you know, I'm just kind of hanging with my family, you know, and uh, my, my kids are getting ready to go, to go back to school. My son just has tonsils out, so I'm kind of taking care of him. Um, oh, no. but, uh, How old's your son? He's 15, and he's, he's also he's a very talented musician. You know, he plays bass, he plays guitar, he plays violin, and he's a great piano player. So, Oh, my God. Uh, way more talented than I ever was. <laughs> Whether he got it out at 15, unlike me at 32, when I had my tonsils taken out. Was, oh, yeah. I yeah. wish we got him out when he was younger. Cause it's, it's, it's been rough on him. Honestly, you know, he's, he's having a hard time with it, but uh, mm. we hang out. Like we've been, you know, going, you know, we, we just got back from Lake Tahoe, just going hiking and camping and biking. And we did uh parasailing me and my, my boy, you know, so um, just kind of doing that. We went to Yellowstone earlier, you know, and in, in the pandemic and just, you know, family time. That's what it's been. Cause you know, I've only done like a couple of gigs since this whole thing, you know, happened, shut us all down, you know? So, um, but I'm looking forward to getting back on the road. Hopefully, you know, we're crossing our fingers that TSO is going out this year, you know, we're playing on it, but you know, keep our fingers crossed. Now, will you only do the West coast dates? You would do the East yeah. coast. You yeah, suck. West we're the East coast. coast. Jeff plate is, is uh West coast. Jeff plate. God, that guy, he's, he's the drummer of West. He put out his own record, uh, All Terrain, uh, which, you know, he uh, he wrote, you know, and uh, produced, you know, it's his, his solo record and incredible, you know, drummer, writer. He's, you know, if check out the record All Terrain, uh, it's or it's their, their new where's my head right here. Um, where did I put that thing? I got the CD, but uh, let me tell you, here it is. All Terrain Mother's Day. Uh, Super, super great record, man. This guy's so talented. Anyway, check that out. Uh, he's he's the the East Coast. He's the original sabotage, you know, sabotage guy and uh, East Coast Trans-Siberian Orchestra drummer. Nice. 
Listen, Sean, I have no, a question about uh, musicians. What's that? Ask a famous question about oh, musicians. Oh, yes. So I always end the uh, podcast with my famous question. All right. <laughs> you can pick your ultimate dream band that you mm-hmm. play in. Mm. And don't say fucking Mark Slaughter or Dana Strom and all that bullshit. I don't want to hear that. You pick your ultimate band. Who would it be that you could be in? Who, man? Uh, dead or alive? Doesn't matter. Hmm. John Lennon has to be. You oh. know. Um, I mean, I'm probably going to end up just basically playing the Beatles. Because <laughs> you know? uh, Paul McCartney obviously would be the bass player. Um Guitar player, uh, hmm. um, uh, Jimmy Page, maybe. Uh, okay. Piano player, Elton John. Oh, Elton John. <laughs> no arguments about anybody there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the, the finally a fucking musician gave me a great answer every time oh you know i love my band so much they're the greatest guys in the world oh i couldn't imagine playing with anybody else besides them thank god he's now you just need a bass who's the bass player paul, paul mccartney i think you know, he's just he's such a musical bass player you know like his parts are i mean um just so you know melodic and you know uh you're basically just saying you hate Ringo Starr, is what you're saying. No, I mean, actually, Ringo, I mean, if we could share drum news, he's one of my biggest influences, and his parts are, you know, incredible. Like, he's he's very underrated. You know, like, I saw a guy do a, a little video, uh, it's like a, a drum click is doing it, and he was basically showing, like, if what, like, you know, a modern drummer would play. I saw the same thing, Blas. It's, it's amazing. It's it's just ridiculous, you know, like because his parts are just so good for their songs, and you can't you couldn't replace him, you know. It wouldn't be the Beatles. I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm arguing with people all the time when people say, "You know, Ringo sucks." Well, listen, Paul McCartney even said it best. I mean, Ringo Starr wasn't even the best drummer of the Beatles. Let's just be honest; he's a great <laughs> drummer. Yeah, yeah. Paul Paul's also you know, he's one of those guys, you know, gifted at everything he does. You know? Oh, absolutely. Well, listen, but, man, thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I know your kid is sick. I, I really appreciate you giving us the time that you did today. Uh, why don't you let everybody know uh like your social media handles and things like that so they can check you out online? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I think it's just you know, Facebook slash Blossolias, Twitter Blossolias, Instagram, I think it's Blossolias Drums. I think that's pretty much all I use. I'm not really a TikToker. Yeah, no, like you know why? Because you're not 12. <laughs> my daughter is 12 and she's the TikTok expert. You know? She's a TikTok, exactly. <laughs> but you should do like some like daddy daughter videos. Though. That'd be pretty kind of kind of cool. Yeah, I'll work on it. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank that you so much. No, Sean, he's not doing that. No, I know he's not. I was trying to, but. All right, hey, we thanks appreciate for having your time. Yeah, appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll see you guys on tour one of these days. Cool, man. All right. Later.